Big Sometime in my 20s, I was dating this girl. She lived right outside of Atlantic City. We used to drive up a couple times during the summer and see her. Me, Joe, Don. You might remember Don from the Ramones episode. So one night, Don and Joe decided to walk around the local graveyard because that's who they are. And she took me to go see her friend's local radio show. He hosted a punk rock radio show like in the middle of the night. So we were driving to the show when there was suddenly a flash flood and my tiny little Ford Escort car, we drove through a red light, but we didn't realize that the red light was completely filled all the way up to the windows with water. And we went plunging into it. The whole car just floated all the way to the middle of the light. We had to wait in a gas station for the waters to recede. I had to put the car in neutral and we pushed it out together, and then we had to walk all the way back to her house. The following day, the three of us, or sometimes I like to call us the three amigos, me, Don, and Joe, walked back to the car and spent, I think, the entire day trying to get the car started again using carb cleaner and heat, putting it in the gas tank to try and get rid of all the water. Eventually, we did get the car started, and we drove it all the way back to Maryland. However, My radio never worked again. A curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Hey, Chris. Hey. Hi, Joe. How are you? (laughs) Hi, <laughs> Joker. So, what's up, man? How's uh, how's uh, how's things? Uh, things are busy. Yeah. How's yeah. the new house? Uh, busy. Busy. Yeah. And you're going on vacation, so we're recording this early. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. that anybody knows it, because it's yeah. going to come out on time. Right. But, you know. Hopefully. Yeah, but we yeah. Uh, like I feel like we just recorded, and we're mm-hmm. just recording again. We're back in the studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So this topic that we have coming up here, it's very much like uh, episode 35, mm-hmm. where we did From the Sky. It's also very much like episode 89, where we did Washed Ashore. Okay. Okay? I think it's kind of in those same veins. And maybe even one that we did kind of recently, which was episode 108, Buried and Forgotten. Right. Kind of so like a list list episode sort of well, thing. Well, we're going to... It's one topic one subject but we're going to talk about multiple things along that topic right so today's topic is all about weird floods fluides weird floods yes weird and strange floods now before we get into the weird and the strange ones let me just throw in some actual flood facts okay uh oh is this all about uh the 1980s little birdhouse in your soul <laughs> oh, they might be yeah. giants. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> the, are we doing they, uh, may, they Might Be Giants episode all sure. about Flood? Yeah. Every okay. song on there. We're going to cover every song. We're going to talk about it. Sure. And the band that worked with Trent Reznor called Flood. Oh, was there no? Okay. Yeah. All right. But no. No. We're going to talk about actual floods. Right. Mm-hmm. The UN Office for Disaster Risk Reduction, or the UNICEDER, <laughs> <laughs> or the UNICEDER, And the Center for Research on the Epidemiology of Disasters, or the CRED, says between 1995 and 2015, there were 3,062 flood disasters, Mm -hmm. accounting for 47% of all weather-related disasters and 43% of all natural disasters combined. Wow, that's like almost half. Graphic right here. Look at that little infographic you got. Yeah. Yeah. So floods are basically the worst disaster. Uh, the most common. Most common disaster. One of the worst. Yeah. All 50 states have had floods in the past five or so years. Mm-hmm. That's here in the states. I mean, worldwide, it's insane how many floods happen on a regular basis. Right. And I could say floods ha- fludge. Fludge. Floods have touched my life because... I let Darren Malfi borrow my alligator head that I got from Louisiana. <laughs> right. Uh, left it in his basement. 
it flooded, oh. and uh, now the nose is all goofed up. Oh, I know, Darren. right? I, what a jerk. I know. And floods have touched my life as well. Mm-hmm. When I was a younger, smaller person, I lived in a little tiny town in Texas, and there was a gigantic flood. We lived in a two-story house at the time, and the town flooded so bad, basically our whole first floor had water in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So majority of our keepsakes and books and pictures and stuff were lost due to a flood. Right. Me and my little sister and my older sister pretty much just jumped off of the balcony into the flood water and swam around. Well, oh. Yeah. So oh, I guess it parents... wasn't like a fast moving water. No, this was like time. a day or two after the flood. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, people were out in boats and everything, but we were tiny little kids and we just wanted to go swimming. Right. Basically. Yeah. So our dumb little asses went, hopped in the, uh, the floodwaters. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what would you do if there was like a serpent in, the, in those waters? Uh, well, I don't know. Or are there like Texas sharks? Texas sharks? Are they? Yeah, I think they're poker players. Yeah. They're all card, card sharks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. Okay. So before we get into the, the weird ones, I found an interesting thing. One of the most deadliest in modern history was in 1931 in China, where the Huaihong, the Yellow River, mm-hmm. and the Yangtze River all overflowed at the same time. Oh. More than 140,000 people died, drowned, or were crushed by debris or debris, and also subsequently died after due to waterborne diseases. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. These strange floods, yes, the ones we're going to talk about probably have some casualties and property damage and stuff like that, but real floods, real natural disaster floods, they're pretty powerful and pretty crazy. Dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing the bummer right to the beginning of the podcast, Joe. Hey, man, everything is up from here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joe. So I kind of have... I think mostly what we have here are two different... I I would say we could put them in two different categories, okay? okay? Uh, We have food floods and gross floods. Food... food, Well, I would think food floods would become gross floods once they they start flooding. Yeah. Well, once they start start flooding, you're okay. But like the next day or a day after... Oh, man, with the seagulls and... You know what I mean? Just, you know, it, it gets really gross. But then there's just... Straight up gross floods to begin with. Okay. So what do you want to do? Do you want to start off with food floods oh, or man. gross floods? We should have did some kind of... Have you of, eaten dinner? <laughs> we could, should have done some kind of like internet poll. But um, <laughs> let's go with... We'll go with gross floods first and get it out of the way. You want to go... Okay. All right. We can go with gross floods first. So the first flood I have, Joe, is uh, is a literally probably the grossest flood that I could feasibly imagine. Okay. Uh, this is in the German village of Elza. Hmm. What is that? In uh, Bavaria? Yes. It is a... Uh, I love it their is, donuts. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> you, you wouldn't be eating them after this, <laughs> let, let's just say. Okay. Okay. So a tank, uh, uh, it was uh, a tank containing 52,800 gallons, or that's uh, 24,000 liters of fertilizer, uh, basically burst. Oh, no, that now, sounds real shitty. Yeah, yeah. So this tank was containing the fetid fertilizer. Fetid? Of, yes. Fetid? Yes, it was bubbling, I'm oh, sure. So uh, this was containing uh, a pig manure. Oh, man. Yeah. So it, it was containing 52,000 gallons of pig manure. Uh, it busted open and sewage spilled down the streets of the entire city. Uh, <gasps> the sewage was about a half a meter deep, or about 1.6 feet deep oh. in, in most places. Wow. Uh, and, yeah, so it, it apparently wasn't very pleasant for the villagers uh, from this news article that I'm, no, I'm reading from the BBC. That sounds like a crappy time. Yeah, so uh, there was a uh, officer, a police officer, who had stated that the slurry, uh, Officer Monk, Stated that the slurry a, ran wait, down. Monk? Officer Monk. Oh, wait, Monk. <laughs> not M- it's M-U-N-K, not M-O-N-K. Oh, okay. Right, Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Pretty close. The it, the slurry ran wait, wait, down. Wait. You have to say it in Bavarian. I don't even know how to. Oh, come on, dude. Just imagine. You're going to make me do. No, just imagine. It's it's, it's, it's German. Uh, so do, do a German accent. 
The slurry ran down the streets, the main street, flooding the ground floors of several homes. That's pretty good for like a Mario. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pizza time. (laughs) The police estimated the accident caused damages that will cost about 100,000 euros or about 68,000 pounds to repair. Wow. Yeah. So just poop floating (laughs) straight on down your street like a foot and a half deep. Did, did they change the name of the town to, like, Poop Town? No, no I mean, it was called Elza. Uh, I don't know what they call it now. Wow. Yeah. But your name is Mud. No, it's Poop. Yeah. That's, it's gross. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Okay, so, Joe, this one is a lot less gross. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's just really gross in the fact that it was pretty much just seawater. Okay? okay. Yeah. So that's not awful. No, it can be caustic, though. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, it, it, it's definitely not as gross as, like, the poop water, okay? But yes. it's not it's not in the food section, okay. right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we have to do this. So, all right. So, uh, Santa Monica, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know where Santa Monica is? Out in California, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Santa Monica Pier Aquarium, they had a tiny little octopus about the size of your arm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone went to bed, and they showed up the next day for work on Thursday morning on this popular beachfront attraction, and they were caught by surprise when they were greeted by water lapping around the kelp forest display, <laughs> the shark and ray tank, and the rocky reef exhibit. What had happened was uh, a, a little cephalopod, o- cephalopod this mm-hmm. octopus, had reached up and the, the, like, the water filtration mm-hmm. hose, he had taken it and messed around with it, played around with it, and basically pointed it outside of the tank instead of Sweet. inside of the tank. So water just sprayed all over the inside of the aquarium. Well, I guess the, like, on all the floors right. on the aquarium. Right. So some 200 gallons of seawater had basically flooded the entire premises. Wow. So uh, they think, yeah, he grabbed the little tube that pulls out the water and caused it to spray outside of the tank, said the aquarium education specialist Nick Flask. Now, judging by the size of the flood, Mm. they figured that it had flowed for about 10 hours uh, when the first staff member went in. And now now this happened in 2009, Mm -hmm. but it happened earlier at another, another aquarium, the San Pedro Calabrino Marine Aquarium, in 1994, where uh, an octopus named Octavia pulled a plastic pipe loose and basically this, did the same thing. Mm. She's a giant Pacific octopus. Yeah, they're now, gorgeous. Right. But the problem is, is that when she had done it, she actually died because it had pumped so much water out. She had no water left to, oh, to wow. float in. Right, right. So, But luckily, this tiny little octopus uh, did have enough water to mm. float in. Everyone rushed around uh, trying to clean up all the water. So that the first busload of school children to arrive at 930 on their first field trip to see the aquarium could go and do it. Now, the problem was, is that they have like um, sustainable flooring. Mm-hmm. They have like this corkboard flooring stuff. Right, right. And it soaked up all the water. <laughs> Giant sponge. Yeah. So, I mean, corks, that's what they do when mm-hmm. you put them in wine bottles and stuff. Yeah, they expand. They, yeah, they expand. So it soaked up all the water. So they're trying to like get it all and they were having a hard time. <laughs> uh, so apparently the octopus just floated in its tank while I watched all the workers furiously try to clean up all the water. It just floated sitting there watching. Yep. So apparently they, they could not figure out uh, a name for this octopus. They didn't have one. But now, after this bit of a, a flood inside the aquarium, they've decided to name her Flo. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, octopi can be rather cantankerous. Is that a pun? No. Oh, I thought like tank, fish tank. Never mind. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. So uh, that's most of my like gross floods. Most of my floods are, are food floods. There because are food floods are way more floods. fun. But I, I've got one here that like kind of strides the line between food okay. flood and gross flood. Okay. You want you want to do that one, sure, and then sure. we'll go into like all food. All food. Okay. Do you know much about uh, about the Muslim faith? Uh, a little bit, basics. I don't know much of anything. Okay. So I was I was kind of looking, and I was like, okay, at some point there has got to, at some point there has got to be a blood flood, right? <laughs> like uh, in The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. I right. There's the got to be got off on the second floor. <laughs> there's got to be a blood flood. So I found that there is a blood flood that was tied to the Muslim faith. It is a celebration. Mm -hmm. It's called Eid al-Adha. And now the the people in Dhaka, they've been sharing these pictures of 
blood-stained water flooding their streets. Hmm. So what happens is uh, during this festival, people actually kill livestock. Okay. Okay. And the reason right. why they do this, it has to do with Eid al-Hada. It's the second biggest celebration of the year for Muslims after Eid al-Fitar. The, it commemorates when the prophet Ibrahim showed his readiness to sacrifice his son Ishmael. Uh, goats and cows are bought from markets by Muslim families and slaughtered to thank Allah for sparing Ishmael. Mm. The meat is shared between families, friends, and they also share this food with the poor. Right. Okay. So people that cannot afford to buy their own animals to slaughter for this. But it's a celebration day like Christmas or something like yeah, that. Just, so you want to share with your neighbors. Right. You share the street, with the whatever. poor. You share with your neighbors. You, right. you, you buy goats or cows. Mm-hmm. You slaughter them. You cook up some goat ribs and you share it with your friends, family, and, sure. and anyone else that is hungry. Okay. So, gotcha. Uh, the meat is shared between friends, family, and the poor, but the offcuts and offal are typically discarded because they're right. not eaten there. And in, as we've said in our haggis episode, offal is not awful. They just call it that because it's all of the entrails, the uh, intestines, the stuff like they that. put in hot dogs. <laughs> exactly, it's right. hot dog meat. Basically, what happened was uh, this was also in conjunction with a large monsoon that came Mm. through the area in Dhaka. The rain was happening, and there's designated areas where they're supposed to be able to slaughter these animals. Right, and you're talking about a a town. Right, Right. yeah, the entire town. town. So what was happening was, because of the giant monsoon that was happening, they were going Mm. to places like garages instead of the designated areas where the the blood would flow and then flow out into wherever it was going or flow Mm. into the sewer or or sanitary sewer or whatever. Right. So instead of going to those areas because it was raining, they were basically going to other places where they could get undercover Mm. to slaughter the animals and have a barbecue. Right. So, uh, so basically, what happened because of the monsoon weather that was happening, all the all the rain, the blood was flowing out and down into the streets, and mixed with the water, and basically the residents were wading through ankle high bloody water. Wow. And I mean, it you, it literally it looks like a flood, but instead of it just being like the it's blood flood. It's a blood flood. Right. It is straight up a blood flood. Here, I'm, I'll turn this around, and show you a picture. Oh wow, it looks coppery and bloody it's i mean it's definitely very red it doesn't look like venal blood like like dark red it looks sort of murky yeah i would call that wine dark yeah it's (laughs) like the wine dark sea Mm -hmm. uh yeah so uh it it happened (laughs) very true it's it's pretty gross i mean people are just like riding their bikes through it and everything Mm -hmm. else but it is a lot of like animal waste and stuff like that too because like i like i was talking about the awful isn't eaten so a lot of that is discarded too and it just didn't have a whole lot uh a whole lot of places to go wow so many residents are criticizing city officials for the faulty drainage system uh, which has long been a problem in some areas of the city. Hmm. But for their part, city officials have said that they they had assigned designated areas where animals were to be slaughtered, but there was not enough campaigning to make these spots aware hmm. uh, for people to know where they were supposed to go. Gotcha. So, uh, so the rain basically ran it all off into the streets. Wow. Uh, a waste management official for DACA South City Corporation told the DACA Tribune that they are working to resolve the flood issues <laughs> so it won't happen again. All right, Joe. So this one isn't so gross either, but it's definitely weird and it's definitely not a food flood. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so basically in Australia, there was a cyclone, uh, named Debbie and this was in March 31st, 2017. So this was fairly recently. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So cyclone Debbie came through Australia. So apparently a massive shark was discovered in the middle of the road as floodwaters receded following a devastating cyclone that battered Australia. Wow, that's Uh, a shock. Yeah, so emergency workers were left stunned when they found the dead bull shark in a puddle as they carried out inspections. So there's a whole bunch of photos of the bull shark. It is definitely a a very large shark. The huge predator was found on a road in Ayr, A-Y-R, in North Queensland after a torrential downpour and fierce winds resulted in heavy flooding. So basically, uh, Ayr had flooded in Mm -hmm. Queensland, and as the waters receded, Mm -hmm. instead of finding their two-door Ford Escort, like (laughs) I did in my story. Right. They uh, found a... They found a a freaking bull shark. A three-finned, 14-foot-long shark. Right. Here. Here's a picture of it, Joe. 
Well, just a shark laying in the middle of the road. Like, it's a mud-covered wow. road, so it yeah, looks like... Yeah, but still, that's a... Sh- man. That's a pretty big shark. That is a big shark. Yeah. Looks at least 12, 14 feet. Yeah, what I like is they have a picture, like, of the shark next to a kangaroo crossing sign. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you know you're in Australia. <laughs> that's right. So that was funny when you were telling your story about, like, swimming in Texas. Mm-hmm. I was like, geez, aren't you worried about sharks? Don't they have, like, sharks in the Gulf? They do, yeah. You don't think they would have swam? They could have eaten you guys. They could have eaten all three of you. Yeah, I know. But no, I don't think we thought about it. Yeah. We were just like, ooh, giant swimming pool (laughs) around the house. Yeah, so uh, apparently in air, bull sharks are common in streams in the region. And they can grow up to 10 feet in length and weigh 200 to 500 pounds. Cool. Yeah, so be careful during floodwaters, especially in Australia. You don't want to get eaten by sharks. Well, I think Australia was designed to kill people. <laughs> just uh, all, all of the it. poisonous things <laughs> and harsh climates and sharks just and apparently next del- to your delicious car. mead. So yeah, that's, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to have like an, an amazing restaurant scene in Australia. Yeah, we. I, I still have to pick up that Australia mead. I got to do that sometime. Yeah, I still haven't done it yet. Okay. I will. I'll get there. Okay, I promise. Hey everybody, I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. Of the We Have to Ask podcast. And you're listening to the Curioso podcast. With Chris and Joe. I listen to them so I don't have to do the research. Mm-hmm. Now on to the food floods. My favorite kind of flood. <laughs> right. So the one I want to talk about happened on January 15th, 1919 in the city of Boston. Ba- Boston. Bastin. I think you mean Boston. Yeah. Packed County Garage. I, I spent a little time in Boston. Chowdy head. Park your card, have a job. Which, by the <laughs> way, you can't yard. park your card, have a job. No, it is not a thing that you can do. Right. But I want to talk about the Boston Molasses Flood. Okay. Or the Molasses Disaster. Right. So it happened in a little area called the North End mm-hmm. on the property of Purity Distilling Company. So at the time, Prohibition was just getting started. Right. All of this happened the day before Massachusetts was under the Prohibition law. Okay, so it was about to go into effect. Right, right. So this distilling company, they were powering down their alcohol making, but they still had a contract for industrial uses for alcohol and ethanol. Now, molasses, besides being tasty for baked goods, Switchel. syrups, and switchel and things like that, you can also make... Things like rum, Mm -hmm. ethanol, and munitions. Alcohol munitions? Yeah. Ethanol is is used a lot in the the making of large caliber and small caliber munitions. Oh, like to clean off the oils maybe or something like that? No, no. In the actual components, in the the, the fuels. So on the day in question, the temperature rose from something like 2 degrees to 40 degrees in one given day. That's Fahrenheit? Yeah. Okay. So it was below freezing. Right. And then to about 40 degrees the next day. Okay. To so, about 10 degrees or eight degrees above freezing. Right. But sharp temperature change. Right. So on this plant, on the, the purity distillering plant, they had a tank, okay, that they held their molasses in. Mm-hmm. Imagine like a grain silo or something like that. 50 feet tall, 90 feet across, and it could hold... 2.5 million gallons of molasses. That, that's, that's a lot of goo. On the day in question, it was only holding 2,300,000 gallons. Okay. So, you know, 200,000 less to being fully stocked. Uh, I, so it's like two-thirds of the way full. <laughs> well, okay. more than that, but yeah. So because of the rapid temperature change and later people found out that the tank was constructed rather poorly. Mm-hmm. Steel tank. So steel rivets, steel girders, steel everything. But the quality of the steel was very thin, very brittle in places, kind of thrown up without anybody looking kind right. of thing. It wasn't and, like inspected properly. Right. There were no inspections prior to its construction. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of went up. People were like, oh, there's a big giant tank there now. Hmm. Let's fill it with molasses. Well, the company did it on purpose, but they didn't right. want to pay for the inspections and actual people to put it together properly. Mm-hmm. It was, maybe it was nepotism. Mm. They just passed it along to a nephew or something. Right. You know? Your nephew, build this for me. <laughs> so on January 15th, there's 
2.3 million gallons of molasses, a Puerto Rican molasses, because they grow... Sugarcane. Right. In Puerto Rico. And then you can make that into molasses. Right. So when you're done making your sugar, mm-hmm. you uh, you make, take what's left and, yeah. You make have, some rum. Right. And then from, from that, you can make some alcohol. Right. So with the temperature change, poorly constructed tank, something was bound to give. The tank, basically. The tank gave. Witnesses said, it sounded like gunfire. Wait, that's not Boston, is it? No, no, it's not. I don't know That's how you way would, further south than that. That is. I don't know how you would say that in Bostonian. I, I, don't, I don't know. You, you made me try to do a, a German accent, well, which I'm, it just came out sounding like it was Swedish or something. Right. It sounded like gunfire. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. All right. That's my Boston. He was a, a, a German guy hanging yeah, out yeah. in Boston. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, they were brewing stuff, so sure. it's very feasible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the steel rivets had popped. The support girders buckled. The sides of the tank actually ripped open. Like it just blew open. The ensuing 26 million pounds of sticky terror ran down Commercial Street in a 15-foot wave at 35 miles an hour. See, now, it being molasses and hearing the colloquialism mm-hmm. moving as slow as molasses right you would not think that it would move down the street at 35 miles an hour right but it enough force where it knocked foundations of buildings loose right buckled street signs it actually smashed it, or maybe smashed things into an overhead train you know right. how boston has the overhead train tracks yeah so it smashed into the support beams for uh, an overhead train and actually caused part of the track to collapse and fall down on the street. Oh, God. It's insane. And, of course, it smashed nearby homes, knocked things over, moved cars and, and junk and debris, causing an estimated $100 million in damages with today's money, of mm-hmm. course. Right. 21 people were crushed or had drowned in the molasses. 150 people were injured in total. 80,000 man hours were used to clean up the mess. Well, I mean, what do you do with it? Well, apparently what I read was the firefighters tried the regular fire hoses to, to clean it up. And it would kind of solidify and, and get all hard and, and you couldn't clean it up. Right. So they ended up having to use salt water from, okay. from the local river or whatever. Yeah. The salt content helped break up the molasses. Oh, okay. That makes so, some sense. But you, you still, okay, so like, here's my here's my point. This is this is the reason why I'm asking. Like, how would how would you even clean it up besides just t- picking up with a shovel or something, right? Probably both. Because yeah. when when you have uh, like one of those little bears filled with honey, uh-huh. honey and molasses are very similar in consistency, Simil- well, right? Yeah, molasses. Molasses is even worse. Right. It's even it's viscosity even, is is even worse thick. than honey. Yes. So you have one of those little bears, right? And you mm. just have you know you have some honey sitting down at the bottom, right? Okay. Right. right. The only thing that you can do is put super hot water into it uh-huh. and switch it up and then pour the rest of that in your tea like yeah. like like you have to like heat it up or something or you poke a hole in the bear in the bottom and then you just drain it out from there or you take the bear and you put it in the microwave for about three seconds oh or that, that yeah that yeah. could work they yeah. could have they could have just taken the entire north end put it in the microwave for about <laughs> five seconds <laughs> right you know what i mean uh-huh. and then just tilted it sideways and poured sure. it out you sure. know that would have worked mm-hmm. nope even decades later Locals say that they can still smell molasses on hot summer days, mm-hmm. just in certain parts of the city. Now, after all this stuff happened, right, the the parent company and the company Purity Distilling were found at fault. Okay. As well, they probably should be. Right. I mean, they didn't have a license to, to use the stuff and everything, but because of the, sh- the shoddy workmanship on the tank itself, they were found liable. The company had something like 125 suits against them. After this catastrophe, so six years, six years of witness testimony from victims, watchers, standby, you know, anybody in the area at the time. Mm-hmm. After all of the witnesses came through and did all their testimonies and everything, the company had to pay out something like $7,000 to each person or family of a victim. That was like affected. Injured or, or, or died because yeah. of that. Big, giant, sticky, crazy mess. Could you imagine like a seven foot wall of molasses coming out? I mean, you can't swim through it. No. That's it. It's just like, boom, it hits you. You can't hold your breath. No. 
because you're you're going to be crushed because the viscosity is going to be thicker than water. Yeah. It's just going to Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of like uh, our buried episode when we talked about flubber too. Mm. When you were talking about yeah. like hot yeah. days, the flubber comes up between uh, the cracks. It's, right. You know, you can still smell molasses to the day on like a hot hot day, you mm-hmm. know. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's pretty gross. Yeah. Crazy. So uh, I didn't do too much research on this, but did you read, what was it, in Honolulu? There was a like a tanker. That I, I'm throwing this off the top of my head. I didn't mm-hmm. do research. I just kind of glanced over this. It was like a tanker that burst in Honolulu mm-hmm. a, in one of the ports with molasses as well. Yeah. Did yeah. you read anything I've, about a that? A little bit. Not not too much. Yeah. But so, it's happened several times. I mean, it's, you gotta think. Well, this didn't like flood the land, though. This just, like, the tanker busted open and it went into the water. Right. And, right. like, like... Around the port of Honolulu, like just dead fish kept on coming up yep. because, like, all this, you know, I, I don't know how much or anything like that. So, because mm. uh, I didn't do any research, but on enough that one, to so. disrupt the natural ecosystem. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, they yeah, basically, basically had like a molasses fish kill. Yeah, well, yeah. You basically turned salt water into sugar water. Yeah, you turned it into Kool Aid. <laughs> yes, fish flavored Kool Aid. Kind of what the streets of Dhaka look like too. Mm-hmm. Just streets of Kool Aid with all the the blood flood. Right. Near North End in Boston, where the molasses flood happened, there is now a little plaque that commemorates the incident and or accident. Okay, so next time in Boston, I'll make sure I go check that out. Mm -hmm. Always read the plaque, as they tell you in the podcast 99% Invisible. Sure. All right, Joe, I have a, a averted flood real quick. An averted? Yeah, this was about to be a flood, and it wound up being averted. So here's what happened. Okay. Back in the summer of 1972, a 12-ton freighter was almost sunk. There was a Swiss freighter, the Cassadre. It was sailing along with a load of lumber and rubber in its upper holds, when suddenly the wood caught fire. Hmm. The crew kept on pouring water onto it, mm-hmm. uh, and it smoldered for nearly a month. Wow. Yes. On a ship. On a ship. It Jeez. like the, So the wood was on fire and it kept smoldering. Very reminiscent of Centralia. Yeah, it, I was going to say. They just couldn't get it to go out. They kept right. on pouring water and it never it never went out. So no one thought that, you know, it was bad enough uh, of a problem to just, you know, go to a port and, mm-hmm. you know, take do anything about it. So finally the, uh, the fire got going again and the crew could not douse it. So they pulled into the docks of Cardiff in Wales to get itself properly put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Welsh firefighters gave the flaming timber a thorough hosing down. The whole thing would have just been a non-event except for the cargo in the lower holds. Uh-oh. In the lower hold, coming from Thailand, they had 1,500 tons of tapioca. What? Enough tapioca to fill a million little glass cups of pudding for de- for dessert. What? Uh, yeah, for, you know, like like, you know... Your your buffet. So wait 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 wait. But you've got you've got a a wood fire. So you've got over a freighter. Top. Yeah, but no, you have a wood t- a wood fire on the middle deck. With, and and rubber and rubber. But and then you have tapioca on the, on the lower, lower hold. deck. Right. So you're basically making a giant creme brulee. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so what happened was uh, because normally the tapioca being dry would not be a problem. Mm, but mm-hmm. because they were pouring tons of water oh, no. on top of the fire, uh, the making, tapioca... They're making tapioca pudding. They're, they're making baked tapioca pudding, basically. Sweet. Uh, the tapioca kept on soaking up all the water, and they noticed that the freighter was starting to get lower in the water. <laughs> uh, and it got to the point where they really thought at some point that the cooking tapioca threatened to burst the steel plates of the ship's hull and they sinking the whole ship fouling the Cardiff Bay and endangering, you know, the lives of whatever marine life was in the Cardiff Bay. They should have just given, like, all the sailors some spoons and be like, all right, man. And go to town. Let's go. Yeah, pour some dab of cocoa on top and let's, you know, right. some cinnamon Tuck and let's in. go to town. I mean, it could have been just tons of dead fish, very much right, like the, right. you know, Honolulu molasses disaster we were talking mm. about. So seabirds just eating tapioca and their <laughs> stomach swelling. Uh, so they, they wanted to try and get the tapioca out of the ship before it bursts. But the, the, the timber was still kind of smoking on top of it. And that would have to come out first. So they couldn't figure out where they could actually unload all this timber. So it was basically a huge tapioca time bomb, said fire. Ch- <laughs> said the fire chief. Uh, string together words that surely had never been in existence before. Except for maybe on a cartoon. Right. <laughs> so the firefighters and dock workers labored for three days to save the freighter. Many questions going on unanswered as... 
like the question of, is this thing going to blow up and the whole town of Cardiff right. be filled with tapioca? Wow. So they were trying to figure out, like, why wasn't the lower hold watertight? You know, they, they, they just didn't know any of the answers to this. Mm-hmm. The crisis was averted. Uh, the, the firemen finally put the fire out completely now that the tapioca was off the so- stove, so to speak, uh, and had stopped growing and threatening to <laughs> overwhelm the ship and possibly the entire city, resulting in an unimaginable loss of life mm. and probably appetite. <laughs> right. So the load of timber and rubber, w- which was on its way to the UK, was kind of crispy. When it finally all got off the boat, they just lost all the money on that because it was all oh, burnt up. man. So uh, it seemed to have, have subsided, said the South Wales Fire Service, they told the American press. So the tapioca was bound for Rotterdam, and the Dutch will have to decide whether it could still be used or whether it would have to be scrapped. So mm-hmm. so eventually, they got the fire basically to go out. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They pulled all the lumber off, which was crispy and couldn't be used. And then uh, it went to uh, went to the Dutch. The tapioca went over to the Dutch. Man, I want some seafaring wood-fired tapioca now. Tapioca pudding? Yeah. Right, yeah. So uh, crisis averted. Nice. No, no, no tapioca uh, flood. Okay, so this next article is uh, from The Telegraph, Mm. uh, where French wine terrorists uh, flooded an entire town. Oh, no. Okay, so an entire street, including cellars of apartment blocks, underground car parks, were flooded with wine in a southern French town. Basically, there is a shadowy group of wine terrorists. Uh, Uh Yes, I know. It sounds really weird, but this, this wine was brought in from Spain. And there is a group of wine terrorists. Like, mm. I mean, there's terrorists for all kinds of stuff all around the world. Sure. But these uh, wine terrorists are, uh, or saboteurs, are called the Comité Action Verico, or the Wine Action Committee. They're a shattery group of wine terrorists bent on militant action to protect local produce from foreign imports. Oh, okay. So gotcha. basically, it's, it's a group of uh, wine activists that are pissed... Get your Spanish uh, wine out of our French... Out of our French wine. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so basically, uh, they've been they've taken over a few freighters before and, wow. and, and dumped, like, thousands of bottles of wine down into the, you know, into the sewers and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, so, but yeah, this happened uh, August 3rd, 2016. So, this was only just last year. Hmm. So, it was in the Mediterranean port of Cite. It was a wine-flooded avenue of Mauchal... Jean, the street in front of the wine merchant's premises, was several inches deep along a stretch of road. Wow. Uh, it was five huge tanks of wine that were basically busted open and, and just poured straight on down the street. Wow, that's such a waste of wine. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it just, uh, it had flooded cellars and underground car parks nearby, apartment blocks, and the smell of wine filled the entire district. Wow. It took firefighters a half an hour to drain the liquid away. Which uh, really that doesn't seem like a lot. pretty quick. Yeah, the police didn't comment on what caused the massive leak, but the local press they think that these were the saboteurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had hijacked tankers of foreign wine and dynamited government buildings and <laughs> supermarkets sometimes that sold Spanish wine. So did they just have a thing against Spanish wine? I think what it's about, mostly Spanish wine. What about? Argentinian wine or Australian wine. I think it's mostly Spanish really wine that's coming into France that they're, okay. that they're pretty pissed off well, I'm just off saying, about. those are two of my favorites, Argentinian and Australian wines. So apparently the group's leader, which he's actually has passed away by this hmm. point, had some exploits with Gaddafi, the former Libyan dictator. Oh, wow. And uh, he was said to have once offered uh, Jean Villette. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had offered him $50 million for military training to overthrow the French government. At what? one point. Yeah. So uh, nobody's sure whether he took it or not. But Wow. Yeah. So these uh, guys were serious. Yeah. They were very serious uh, uh, wine uh, connoisseurs and saboteurs. Wow. Apparently. So. Ain't no vino about it. They, uh, the industry figures that, the, uh, that France is now the biggest buyer of Spanish wine, purchasing almost 400 million hectoliters in 2014 alone, or some 10% more than the than the previous year. So they're upping their Spanish wine intake, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. really ticking these guys off. Gotcha. So it really sounds like they're, I, I don't know, they're like, they're like eco-terrorists or something. Yeah, but they you know? shouldn't be. Well, I guess they just don't like those imports coming in. Yeah, well, if you think about wine history, the French wine grapes, mm-hmm. they ended up dying off. 
right. because of, of disease. But we had cultivated some here in America that were the same grapes. So after the blight of those grapes, people, horticulturists, wine you They know, brought growers, them back to France. Brought it back. Yeah. So they shouldn't be pissed Well, they're off not at, busting open American wine, Joe. I, no, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, that's how you... They just don't like the Spanish. <laughs> okay. It just doesn't so, make any sense. You know? Okay. And considering our current president, apparently hey. we don't like people that speak Spanish in this country. So yeah. I get it. Hey, oh, just doom, doom. <laughs> sorry. I apologize. I don't mind speak people that speak Spanish. Me either. But apparently some people don't. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anyway, uh, let's move on. Sure. All right, Joe. So uh, let's talk about uh, our favorite topic. Ooh. Beer. M- oh, I was going to say monkeys, but okay. Uh, oh, Sure. All right, monkeys too. I don't have a monkey flood. Do you have a monkey flood? I don't have a monkey flood. Oh, okay. All right. So October 17th, 1814, about 610,000 liters of beer flooded out of the Mooks and Company brewery in a 15-foot high wave of porter. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's, a lot of porter. That's M-E-U-X, just so you know. And Quite frankly, I thought that it was going to be I, like it's porter, so mm-hmm. that, it's sad that it it's a light stout it got, got poured down. But right. but you know, I really thought it was going to be like a like a lager or something. Right, you know right, what right. I mean? I, I really thought it was. But in L- London uh, what, at the time, it, what's the date again? Eighteen fourteen. Yeah, come on, that was that was a mainstay in London. Uh, right, was porters. Yeah. So the wave rolled down the streets of Tottertam Court Road, flooding cellars and dragging debris, or debris, as, <laughs> as, right. or, or debris, as Joe likes to call it, uh, leaving a path of foamy destruction in its wake. The flood was caused by a ruptured vat created by a deadly domino effect that tipped the vat into the other vats, spilling their contents as oh, well. Oh, no. Yeah, creating a beer wave of death. <laughs> oh, no. I think there's a beer actually called that. Beer wave of death? Or wave of death. Right. I think I, I wouldn't is. be surprised. Yeah, one of those microbrews. Yeah. So it destroyed two houses, claimed seven lives, five of whom were attending a wake for a child. Oh, man. I know. Isn't that awful? Like, a child <laughs> like, had died the previous day. Yeah. And they were having a wake for the child, and oh. and they all died as well. So, oh, man. good Lord. I mean, can you get any worse than that? No. So... Uh, it ran over some small puppies. God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I can think of worse things. But the, that's, the beer that's... wave killed the, the last white rhino. You know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? Like, I don't, and I don't... shot down a shooting star at the same time. <laughs> God. So while there were rumors, there were no written records of the citizens taking advantage of the free drinks subsequently. But a lot of people think that since the beer was flowing freely down the streets, a lot of people probably did take advantage of Oh, some yeah. of the beer that was floating you down the street. You know, you know there was a Simpsons moment where there was some guy out there basically being Barney Gumble and just Oh man, <laughs> some of that beer in the street. So yeah, Joe, it was around 4:30, a store clerk named George Crick, he inspected one of the giant three-story tall wooden vats. Uh, they are girded with heavy iron loops, kind of like what you would think like a loop on a barrel. Right? Just right, it, right. Except for these barrels Ribs. are massive. Yeah. As he looked down from his perch, the clerk suddenly noticed that the 700-pound hoop, so that just the hoop around the giant barrel made out of steel is 700 pounds. Jeez. So it had slipped off the enormous cask that stored the 10-month-old batch of porter. So Crick had been with the company for 17 years at this point, and he had watched it to grow to become the city's fifth largest producer of porter. Nice. Now, he knew that this would happen two or three times a year and didn't think much of it. Like Where the, the band would fall off? The, yeah, the hoop would basically fall off now, the barrel. It because there wasn't pressure, inside pressure pushing it out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, gotcha. no, there, there was because it was filled with... It was filled with beer, but it would just kind of slip off, and then they would take it up and knock it back okay. into place, and okay. you know it wouldn't be a big deal. So even though the porter filled all but the final four inches of the 22-high vat, and the pressure from the fermentation process was building inside, uh, Crick's, Crick's boss told him that no harm would ensue uh, from the broken ho- hoop, and that uh, he should write a letter to uh, another brewery employee that could fix it at a later time. So shortly after he penned the note, around 5.30 p.m., Crick heard a massive explosion from the inside of the storeroom. So the vat that hold about one million pints of beer, wow, uh, the equivalent of about one million pints, 
had burst into splinters, and the blast broke off the valve, and the adjoining cask that contained thousands of barrels of beer set off a chain reaction. Oh, uh, no, this is that comedy bit where one file cabinet goes over and knocks all the other ones over. Right, or like in the uh, like in a library, mm-hmm. where they, you just knock yeah, over bookshelf. one bookshelf and yeah. it just kept on going. <laughs> so this knocked over the next one. Uh, so about 570 tons of liquid smashed the other hogshead of Porter. So the force of the explosion sent bricks raining over the tops of houses on Russell Street and collapsed the brick wall that towered over Eleanor Cooper, killing her instantly. Oh, man. Uh, a torrent of Porter rushed through the narrow lanes of the surrounding neighborhood and swept through everything in its path. They didn't have any drainage in the city streets because yeah, you're talking, yeah. you know, you're talking like the 1800s. Right. So uh, a wave of portery black liquid <sighs> went straight down into the neighboring homes. Wow. Uh, they scaled tables and furniture to try and save themselves from drowning in the beer. Obviously, some people probably weren't looking for higher ground and were just looking to... <laughs> Come to daddy! Yeah. So, <laughs> the worst of the damage uh, occurred on New Street. Uh, the Cascade swept away Hannah and Mary Banfield in the middle of their tea, and the little girl drowned in the tsunami of beer. Oh, no. So, the force of the tidal wave then caused the house to collapse on the uh, on the mourners, huddled in the cellar, uh, killing Anne Savelle and four others. So, I, I, I mean, how like having a wake for a yeah. child and just everyone gets killed in, yeah, in beer. It's like, crazy. Like, we, we kind of laugh because we're like, oh, it's a beer, you know, it's a beer flood. But, yeah. it, I mean, just times were so tough back then. Yeah. The kind of, like, poverty-stricken neighborhood was called St. Giles, mm-hmm. was completely saturated in beer, their clothes drenched in hot malt liquor. They tried to wade through the streets and the and the flood of beer, picking through tangles of bricks and woods with their hands for those that were trapped inside. They tried to listen for groans emanating from any of the ruins. The surrounding scene of desolation presents a most awful and terrific appearance, equal to that of which fire or earthquake may be supposed to occasion, reported the London London's Morning Post. Wow. Just kind of to to end the story, Joe. Two days after the catastrophe, a jury convened to investigate the accident. After the visit of the site of the tragedy, viewing the bodies of the victims, and hearing testimony from Crick and others, the jury rendered its verdict that the incident had been an act of God, and the victims had met their deaths casually, accidentally, and by misfortune. Not only did the brewery escape paying damages to the destitute victims, it received a waiver from the British Parliament for excise taxes that had already paid on thousands of barrels of beer it lost. So they got their tax money back yeah. on the barrels of beer, even though... I mean, the boss even said, oh, nothing will happen. That's fine. It's broken. It's fine. Don't right. worry about it. Even after it's that testimony. It's only holding millions of gallons of liquid. Right. Don't worry about it. Don't, Don't worry about it. it. It's, it's fine. Just write a letter to a guy and he'll fix it. Sure. He'll fix it sometime next week. In a couple week. of months. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'll be no problem. And Jeez. then and then like an hour later it just exploded. And they get away. When and they, they not a get away, but they, they got they, their money back. Well, they they are not held responsible. They got their tax money back. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So the brewery had been demolished and the uh Dominion Theater now stands in its place. Is so that's the Dominion Theater is where the brewery was Used at to that be. point. Yeah. So Okay. Uh, There's no plaque or memorial to signify the beer flood. A local tavern, the Holborn Whippet, serves a special porter that commemorates the the beer flood once a year on the anniversary of the event. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Anyway, so that's it, Joe. Well, to end, I do want to talk about a local flood that happened. uh, Oh, that's right. A month or so ago, maybe a little bit longer. It was definitely longer than a month ago. Uh, A little town here in Baltimore named Ellicott City. Uh, old historic town, super crazy giant flood, ruined a bunch of businesses, tore up houses. The streets were a mess. There's footage all over the internet, if you guys want to see it. Of people getting saved in the floodwaters right. while they're in their cars. Right. I it's went, I went pretty down amazing. there a couple of days ago because I like to run through the national park that runs near there. Mm-hmm. All the trails are messed up. Really? Yeah. They had to plow new trails and stuff like that. Because Does it of- smell like molasses? No, it just kind of smells like the woods. Right. But people have been finding trinkets and knickknacks from the stores Mm -hmm. in the streams and adjacent parts of the state park. 
Right. There's a dam very close near there called Blothe Dam. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. apparently uh, they they actually are planning on shutting that dam down soon because it's environmentally not very good for the for the river. Right. So as they were kind of like cleaning the dam and like taking like, uh, you know, sticks and stuff out of it so that it doesn't get clogged up, mm-hmm. they were finding a lot of knickknacks. I mean, imagine like, you know, after this flood, it's it's the entire street of downtown Ellicott City or, right. or Main Street Ellicott City of old Ellicott City is filled with knickknacks and, yeah. you know, antique shops. Every town, so every you, city in America has an Ellicott That little city. antique, sh- yeah. Antique row, something right. akin to this Yeah, place. so I imagine they were finding a lot of, like, Cupid dolls in, uh, <laughs> in Blue Dam, you right, know? Right, right. So. Well, I just wanted to say, if, if you guys out there have a flood in your area, you know, it, it affects everybody. It affects the small businesses, affects the residents, and it's trickle-down effect, no pun intended. So here in Maryland, there is the United Way of Central Maryland that they take donations and stuff for flood victims. There is also HelpEllicateCity.com that they do some good work helping flood victims and things like that. So just wanted to mention it. So I have a question for you real quick, Joe. Mm-hmm. You went down that way. Is the Phoenix Emporium open yet? Ah, uh, I don't think so. Because it's like my, that was like one of my favorite little bars to go to. Yeah, mine too. Great good, beer. Good food, food, good beer. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, it's a thing that happens all over this country. Like I said, in the past five years, all 50 states have had crazy floods. It, it behooves us all to sort of reach out and take care of each other. Right, and try not to drown in beer or molasses. <laughs> right. Or get bitten by a shark while you're swimming in floodwaters. Right, right. Any of those. Yeah. Don't do any of those. Nope. All right, Curiosos, thanks for hanging out. Be careful and listen out for flood warnings. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can also check out our videos youtube.com backslash curioso podcast you can call our voicemail line leave us a message 443-327-9673 on your touchtone phone that spells hydasaur on the curioso.com website on the left hand side you can help support the show by clicking on our amazon link and if you're a real curioso we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. When radiator fluid is being burnt, it smells like maple syrup. Oh, is that why people drink it or huff it or whatever? Oh, no. No, people drink it because it's delicious. Uh, but, but it's really not good for you. It'll kill you. It's basically like rat poison yeah, or whatever, but it's sweet. It tastes sweet. Right. That's why you, like, if you ever drain your radiator fluid, Mm -hmm. you need to make sure it's in a thing that has a cap and it closes. You don't want to just like leave it in a five gallon bucket Mm -hmm. because, uh, you, you know, a dog could come by and drink it and will just literally die. It's, it's. Yeah, radiator fluid is bad for you. Right. And you're supposed to recycle it. You can mm-hmm. take it to, you know, the dump and recycle it. Right. And they'll actually recycle it there. So, yeah. Don't drink radiator fluid, kids. It's bad for your health. Strange games. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember that episode at all. No? What was strange games? It was games. Like, mostly board games. Like, weird-ass old board games and shit. Do we do that for, like, Christmas? I think so. Wow. It's getting to the point where I don't even remember episodes that we've done. Mm-hmm. That's I do not remember Strange Games at all. I remember like the Ouija episode. Right. We had an excursion in a video with that. So yeah. A little easy to remember. Right. <clears throat> wow, that's ridiculous. Yep. I literally, like I have like four pages on it and I just didn't like read it. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that awful? I'm such a fucking jerk sometimes. Mm-hmm.